Hale family, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good morning. Colton and I are glad that you are here this morning. Um, Colton and I are part of the Junior Children's Church uh, team that we meet in this uh, building every Sunday, ages three to kindergarten. That sums up. And then when they start the first grade, they move to the first grade through fifth grade kindergarten classes. And every month, we have a scripture that we memorize for the month. And so Colton is going to do the scripture for us today. Scripture says, M-O-I for Airplane Air for Bye Bye Sweet Boy 19. Amen. Amen. We are here to rejoice that Jesus is alive. So if you would, please stand with us and let's say it together with Colton. And we're going to stand. Jesus from the dead. He's alive in us today. And I thank the Lord for that. He's our helper. He's our comforter. He is our God. He is everything that we need to get through this life. And I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord the same power that raised Christ from the dead also has the power to take care of the generation coming after us for Colton, Colton's children. Colton's grandchildren and Colton's great-grandchildren. And that is a God that is worthy of our praise. And so, and believers, I pray that we worship with him today. Let's worship. Let's invite the Holy Spirit into the house today. And let's show this generation what it looks like to worship. Father God in heaven, we hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord, I pray that you'd forgive us, dear God, of our sins. We repent, Lord. So that refreshing of, the, of your Lord, of your presence will be real to us today. We thank you, dear God. You are great and greatly to be praised. We praise you, Jesus. Amen.
Jesus, give him glory. You look worthy. Your will be done in this place, oh God. Hallelujah. We thank you, God, for your blessings. As we meet on family day, it's a combination of generations. But there are songs that surpass generations. And this next song is one of those big songs. Amazing Grace.
worship. Hallelujah. Continue to worship. You may be seated. Hallelujah. If you'd like. As we enter into your presence and into your word, what an amazing thing it is that we are not just in a building full of people, but we are in a building with the creator of the universe. To think that your presence could come into a house like this and you could feel it. This house cannot hold you. This house cannot contain you. Father, today we ask you to feel every section of it. We ask you that every heart would be touched, that the powerful work of God would minister to us through your word today. Draw us closer to you. And for this, we give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Can somebody shout amen? I want to start by saying this today. As I was sitting back there, I thought to myself, what an amazing thing it is to have this great God in our midst. Can we really grasp that today? Can, can you grasp that today? That the God that owns everything, he's in this house today. The God that created the sun, the moon, and the stars, and every one of us in this building, to think that he is in this house today. If that doesn't rock your world and change your life, then there's something wrong with you today. To think that God Almighty is in this place. The things that he desires to do in this place are absolutely unfathomable and unreal. The Lord began to work on me yesterday with a, with a word from him that I want to share with you today. And <clears throat> it came on me. Where did I put my rocks at? Here we go. 
it came on me yesterday and this morning I was going to go get some rocks from the store and I couldn't do that because I actually ran out of time. I had to be here early this morning, but I got two rocks. I found these in my wife's flower pots and um, <clears throat> it's supposed to be a white stone. So I took it in and sprayed it with Dawn dish detergent. It's not even got any residue on it, so it's as clean as it's going to be today. This is supposed to be a black stone. This is supposed to be a white stone. We'll be using that later on in our sermon as an illustration that I want you to grab about those. But today we're going to deal with today the battle, tomorrow the white stone. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 17, I want to begin with the church that Many of you may recall as the church of Pergamos. Let's go to that scripture, Revelation 2, 17. And the scripture reads this. It says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name will be written on it, which no one knows except him who receives it. I want to begin and start today by saying that we need to listen to the Spirit. He starts the verse here uh, actually to the church of Pergamos, or we may refer to it as Pergamum today because you can refer either or. But he begins with them by saying, if you have an ear, first off, you need to hear what the Spirit is trying to say. What would happen in our lives if we would listen to what the Spirit is saying? What would happen in our churches if we would just recognize and listen to what the Spirit is saying to us to do. He says the Pergamos, first and foremost, the Spirit is priority. You have to listen to Him. You have to be ready and willing to change for Him. He goes on to say to this church that some of you, he says, you are going to have some new manna, all right? Now, Pergamum, whenever they we read and study the history of the church, Pergamon was a group of people, many of them had sacrificed bread to idols. So they would sacrifice their bread to an idol, and then they would take their bread and eat that bread. They First off, in other words, it's like us saying our blessing to God, as if we're saying, God, I want to thank you today for this food that you've given us, and then we eat it. Well, back in those days, they sacrificed to their idols. So they would pray to whatever it was, the water god. And they'd be like, water god, we before we eat this fruit, we want to thank you for your blessings on it. And sanctify it, make it a nourishment in our body. And, and Amen. And they begin to eat that. So that's a problem. So God was letting them know, you're not going to eat that kind of bread in the new kingdom. He said, what you're going to have is some new manna. Now, what does the manna represent? Well, when we go back in history in Israel, we remember when they were in the wilderness. And what did God do? God sent what to feed them? He sent manna from heaven. They wake up one morning, they walk out, and when they get outside their tent, there's manna everywhere. God sent manna for them in order to what? Provide for them. So what God is saying to the church that if you follow me, there is always going to be provision for you. I've never known a child of God that's went without. God will always supply the child of God's needs. Now Jesus is writing this message in Revelation to the church of Pergamum or Pergamus. It is under great persecution. It is not like us. Like for us persecution is if an air conditioner unit breaks today. And we have to sweat a little bit. And we're going to be oh God, how was church today? Man, it was good. But I'm going to tell you the air conditioner went out while we're in the middle of service. To us, that is persecution. 
To us, that is bad. Or in the wintertime, the heat goes out. It's bad to us. Or, or maybe a light bulb blows. For us, oh my gosh, this is persecution. But to the early church and to the church of Pergamum, you've got to understand that they're under intense real-life persecution. Many of them are being killed. They are taking swords and literally decapitating them. They are killing them. They are murdering them. They are being thrown to lions. They are being sown asunder. This is not a pretty picture. The church is going through bloodiness. I mean, they are losing their lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ, being killed. Many of them, like even the Apostle Peter, they are being crucified just like Jesus was. Peter was hung upside down on a cross because he felt unworthy to die like his Lord had died. But nonetheless, he was hung and crucified for the name of Jesus Christ. So the Spirit is saying to them, yes, you are going to be under persecution. See, listen, we do it oftentimes as preachers. We we take the seven churches of Asia and we tear them apart. We preach the negatives about them. We always, well, you've lost your first love. Well, you, you got a name, you live, but you're dead. And we pick them apart. But I do want you to have a little sympathy today because the churches that we're reading about and talking about, it was not the type Christianity, easy Christianity like we have today. They are going through the fire. They are going through trials that we as an American church have never even experienced. So, so let's not be too quick to judge them. There's intense persecution. The Spirit is speaking the Pergamos and is saying, listen to me, you are going to go through trials. You are going to go through tribulation. You are going to be tested. But I'm telling you, he also says to them, whoever overcometh, to the ones that overcome. What does that mean? That means not everybody is going to overcome. There's going to be a few people that are going to overcome. Have you ever found it strange that when you read stories in the Bible, God always talks about the remnant? You ever seen that? The remnant? There's a small group of people. See, I'm going to tell you something. We may be living in a church age that everybody's going to heaven, but I'm telling you, everybody's not going to heaven. Jesus helped Jimmy preach today. Just because you got saved and baptized at six years old or sprinkled as a baby, it does not give you security in your salvation. It just doesn't, folks. This is a daily walk in Jesus Christ. If you are going to stay in Christ, guess what you're going to have to do? Just that. You're going to have to stay in Christ. He can't be second fiddle. He can't be the third person that you go to when you need help after your BFF and then your spouse and then you finally call on Jesus. If you are going to be a follower of Jesus, Jesus is going to be number one. If you are going to be a follower of Jesus, he's not going to play second best to anybody. He is going to be Lord of Lords. Lord, King of Kings, that is the only position that he will accept. That's the way God is. And so when we begin to look at this, we understand that not everybody is going to overcome. All right? So in other words, God is saying to this church today, I hear the Spirit saying that just because somebody thinks they're going to heaven does not mean they're going to heaven. Just because they use the words, I am a Christian, does not guarantee they are going to heaven. Somebody shout now forever, hold your peace. I'm going to preach today if it's the last thing I do. And it may be. So I might as well. What I'm telling you today is there's nothing that really says we're going to make it 
just because, I, listen, I have people all the time. It's funny because I invite people to church. Being a pastor, I do that, you know, because I'm about that stuff. And I love it when I ask people, hey, you want to come to church sometime? And I go, you know, I pastor at Gap Hill, and you're telling them where it is, and you're explaining, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And then when you get to talking, they finally say, well, I go to church. My favorite thing is when I say, where do you go? Most of them can get the where they go because it's kind of cinched in there because that's where their mom and daddy raised them at. My favorite question is, who's the pastor? They will squirm. They will squiggle. They'll say, well, bro, I'm, oh, my, no, Brother Stone. No, 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 Brother Stone was the last pastor. It's, uh, and I'm sitting here thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. If you really went to church and if you really loved your church, you would know not only the name of your church, you would know the name of your pastor. So everybody that says, I'm an overcomer, is not an overcomer. But this is what God promised to Pergamum. While some of you may sacrifice your idols to bread, and while some of you may decide that you're going to live a worldly life and be like the world, that's fine, you can do that. But to him that overcomes... Are y'all ready for this? I am going to hand him a white stone. Now, I have often read this scripture, and I've tried to just figure out what in the world this thing is, but I'm going to try my best to explain it today as, as the best of my ability. But, but, but there's a name written on it. Woo! My goodness. This white stone is known, and I'm going to give you some history on the white stone in light of Pergamum history. The first thing is this is known as the stone of justification. Does anybody know what justification means? This is what God promises to everyone who accepts his son and overcomes this present day, this wicked world. He says, I am going to give you the white stone of justification. Now, I wrote a few notes in my Bible here, and this is what I wrote that justification means. It means I am righteous in Christ. It is not by my works that I have attained this. It is by the work that Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. This justification, it happens the moment that a man or a woman gets saved. In other words, when they get saved, they are made righteous in Christ. It does not matter where they were. It does not matter where they were last night. The hellhole they were in and the way they were living and had stuff snorting it up their nose. It doesn't matter. When they came to an altar and gave their life to Christ, everything changed. The old man was gone. The new man came to life and a new stone was given to them. It is the stone of justification. Now, when I look at the city of Pergamum, I find that they have something called the judicial system, which looks a lot like what we know in America. And when someone is accused of something, you can accuse anybody of anything. But it's much like the prosecution, what we see the prosecution as. So the prosecutor is the one accusing the defendant. The burden is on the prosecutor to prove, in fact, that he is guilty. And then there's another person that would come and plead the case for the person. Now, we call them lawyers. In these days, it could have been an eyewitness. It could have been a friend, whoever. They didn't have to have a law degree. And then that other person who we would know as a defense would come and plead the case for this individual to say, I'm sorry, this guy is not guilty. I was there. I saw it. I know. Now, the judge would listen to both sides of the story because let me tell you, there's always two sides to one story. That's so why when I have 
people that are married and the husband or the wife wants to talk to me, I say, I need your spouse here. Because I know you're going to tell me one side, but I am certain that he or she is going to tell me the other side. There's always two sides to every single story. So when you get ready to deal with things, you bring both parties to the table and you talk about it. There's two sides. So he knows this. He would then leave this place. He would go into his chambers like we do today for a time of deliberation. He thinks over all of the testimony. He thinks over the facts. Now, but, but while the judge was gone, Pergamum would take white stones and they would have a pile of them sitting in front of the defendant. And he is constantly staring at these white stones. The defendant would did stand right there in front of those stones as people from the city. They would gather around her. Do you understand? Do you remember when the woman was accused of adultery? Y'all remember that? And people started grabbing their stones. There's a pile of stones. They grab them. They're ready to stone her with their stones. He would go and this defendant is standing here praying to God that he's found innocent. All the people were gathered around like a bunch of wild animals just waiting to see what's going to happen. Then the judge, he walks in. When he walks in, everything becomes silent. Everyone that's talking becomes silent. There is about to be a sentencing that is going to take place. In his hand, the judge has two stones. One of them is black. One of them is white. And when he comes in before the defendant and says, I've heard this case today. And he holds up the black stone. When he holds it up, everybody knows he is, he is guilty. He has got to be killed. Whatever the punishment for his crime is, if it's stoning, then we'll stone him. If it's hanging him, we'll hang him. Whatever it is, when the black stone is seen, that means you are guilty and you are condemned. But every now and then, that judge would come and he would have a white stone. And when he holds up that white stone, it is the stone of justification. Is that dramatic enough for you? I mean, judge walks in and he's like, bam. Bam. I mean, that's drama at its best. When he holds up that white stone, the eyes of this defendant is going to gleam. If he opens up his hand, a black stone, he's guilty. But my God, I'm telling you, that means everything that was said about him, every offense that was brought against him, it is absolutely true. And the people pick up stones out of the pile. And most of the time, they just stone the guilty one right there in front of that stack because he is condemned. But if he gets that white stone of justification, it means this, from that moment on, you can accuse him all you want but this man is innocent this man is not guilty he has been accepted all of the charges have been dropped the defendant is innocent and he is free to be released he's a free man because he did nothing wrong there's nothing on his account the old account has been settled long ago and he's given the white stone of justification now, I don't know about y'all, but that sounds really spiritual to me. Is anybody feeling it? 
God says to everyone who is willing to overcome in this place, I hear the Spirit. The Spirit says when you stand on that final judgment day, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your son, he said, I will give you the stone of justification. Furthermore, do you know what the word justified means? The word means it is just as if you have never sinned. I'm glad that that's the God that I serve because I've made some mistakes and there were days that I deserved the black stone. There were days that I was condemned and all God had to do was say, here, Jimmy, you're done. But thank God that because of his mercy, he said, I'm going to give you this. It is as if you have never sinned in my sight. You are righteous. All of your sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. Does anybody know what I'm preaching about today? Oh, Jesus, I praise you. You get a new stone. And it's interesting because on this new stone, you get a new name. Isn't that good? Your old name may have been liar. If that guy's talking, he's lying. You may have been known as the cheater. You may have been the little flesh pleaser that always did whatever made you feel good, didn't care what it did to anybody else, but he will give you a new name. So in other words, now you're a holy person. Now you're a peculiar person. Yes, to the world you seem weird. Yes, to the world you seem different. They may not understand the way you act and the way you live, but now you are a priest with God. Now you are a ruler with God. Something's different about you. It's the stone. I, I read a story in the Bible just the other day to refresh my memory. When Jacob was born, Jacob and Esau, he was born as the supplanter or as the liar, as the deceiver. He spent his life lying to get ahead. He spent his life lying. That's all he was. He was a liar. But what did God say to him? He said, you, that night that God encountered him, something happened in his life like he had never known before. And God said, Jacob, I know how you have acted. I know how you have lived. I know you deserve the black stone. But let me tell you something, son. Since you've repented, this is yours. And on it, I am going to give you a new name. And he told him that day, one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. He said, you shall be called. I preach a sermon entitled this. For some of you new ones, I ought to preach it again because I love it. He said, you will be called no more Jacob. But if I had a black marker, I'd write on it right now. But Israel, because you are now a prince with God. I'm telling somebody today, you need to quit letting the devil torment you over what you used to be and what you used to deserve. You need to quit worrying about that old relationship you had that about broke you. What you need to do is understand, you've been justified. God's given you that stone. Your name is on it. God doesn't remember any of that anymore. You ought to let it go. Let it go. It's not who you are anymore. Oh, Lord, help us. Let me go on. So also, furthermore, when the armies of Pergamon came back after battling a nation, and they did a lot of fighting back then, but if they came back, they would come through the gates of the entrance of the city. History tells us that the people, young and old, they would line the streets, 
And as they are coming through, they would clap and applaud and cheer because they were welcoming their war heroes back home. All right? Y'all have seen this in war. You've seen it on TV now that we have the news like we do when they're letting them off the planes or something and people are there just to greet their family and their loved ones. But see, there's something interesting that happens because the king, the guy that's over everything, he'll come, this is history, and he will bring white stones with him. And as those war heroes come by, as he greets them, he will hand them a white stone, white stone. It is much like what we see on TV when our president does the, the Medal of Honor. Anybody ever seen that? When they put it over him. I've got a friend that was in Vietnam. He not only has one purple heart, he has two purple hearts. That's impressive. It tore him to pieces so much, he'll hardly talk to you about it because it haunts him every day what he had to do in that war. He doesn't even want to talk about it because of the memories that hurt him. But he can go sometime if he, and I don't know what he does in his private time, but maybe sometime he just goes back and he looks at that purple heart. Maybe he does just to remember, you know what, man? You were a war hero. You did the right thing. You saved somebody. And he tries to block out all the killing and all these things that he had to do just to remember there was somebody in a foxhole that about got exploded. And you jumped and you grabbed him and you ran out. And as he was running out, that bomb blew up and he had a cut all the way through his chest. Didn't think he was going to make it. To this day, when you talk to him, you can see the scar all the way up here and it hides underneath his shirt. I've never seen the full thing, but I've seen up here and it looks pretty bad. I can't even imagine what's under there, but you can tell it's running. Literally, he's laid in the hospital bed. I think he said for three weeks, it about killed him. Maybe he looks back sometime at that Medal of Honor and says, man, you did a good thing. So as he's coming in, in Pergamon, the king is saying, you've done a good thing. I know it was hard. I know there's some things you did that you may have not want to remember, but here goes your stone. You have been successful in the battle. And he gives him this. However, not everybody got a white stone. Only those that had engaged in the warfare. Only those that had fought and won the battle are the ones that received the stone. We live in a world when everyone gets a trophy. We live in a world where, oh my goodness, I showed up, so give me a trophy. Jill Biden about got in deep water whenever she said, you know, LSU did a good job. The girls' basketball Oh, they did a great job. LSU won. Congratulations. We know that they come to the White House because they won and we'll feed them a meal. But, but I think Iowa State should come too. It went crazy. Even the star from Iowa said, no, we ain't going there. We don't deserve to go there. We lost. Not everybody gets a medal. Not everybody. That's the way. See, see, this is the age that we live in. This is acceptance culture. And just because you show up and you run the 100 meter dash, we're going to give you a medal. It don't matter if you came in 10th. We're giving you a medal for participation. I say don't give them anything. Let them learn. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Get over it. 
get better, exercise more, learn how to run faster, do something, but we're not giving out freebies. And this is what God says to us. I hear the Spirit, and the Spirit of the Lord says, listen to me, just because you show up to church on Sunday don't mean I'm going to give you a white stone when you get the glory. Just because you sing in the choir and even preach the sermon doesn't guarantee you a white stone. Only those that overcome are going to have that. Oh, God, I hope I don't get inside and accidentally throw this thing to somebody. Bust a stained glass window from 1970. We'll never get it replaced. They don't make it anymore. I'm telling somebody today, you got to fight in the battle to get the white stone. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. But not everybody is going. Just those that get this. So today the battle, but tomorrow we get a promotion. I want you to understand with me today, if you win the battle today, you'll be promoted tomorrow. Jesus is communicating that there will be a day when God is going to have every believer, every unbeliever stand before the judgment throne. I, I want to take a minute right there. I, I just, I want that to sink in. That one day, every one of us, this great creator that's in this room today, one day we are going to stand before him. Let it sink in. All the good and the bad. All the ugly. And we're going to stand before God. That is a sobering thought. He is trying to tell us every man according to his works what he has done for the kingdom of God. Everyone stood before his throne in Revelation 20. Great and small, rich and poor, the important and the non-important. They all stood there. And he pulls out huge books. Books, right? Read your Bible. And you're going to find that when this thing begins, he's pulling out books. That means multiple. This book, this book, that book, that book. But then he said, and he pulled out a book. Does anybody know what S means when you write in words? Y'all want an English 101 class? Water bottle. Water bottles all around this place. I'm fixing to grab another one here in a minute and drink it too. Bottles. There are many books, but there is one book of life. Now, I may be going over the deep end, and I may be a little too, maybe I'm being too much of a brainiac right now. Maybe this thing is more complicated than I'm trying to make it, but I am a man of simplicity, and I'm just going to tell you something. I think this try and let us know that there's more people in the books than there are in the book. Don't everybody shout at once. I mean, God said, look, let's go through the books. Oh, my gosh. Let's go, go, go. And then he's like, and then there is a book of life. It lets me know God's not just handing out white stones for the fun of it on that day. It is going to be to those that have overcome. It is one book. You notice the books. They're plural. There's a lot of people that are going to be going to hell, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you. I don't want to be one of them. Hallelujah. I'm not going to be one of them. I'm keeping it under the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm going to do. 
And if you have been faithful, then God is going to give you this white stone now instead of justification. Instead of the reward for the battle, I'm going to call it a justification. I'm going to call it a rock of victory. That's what we're going to call it. A white stone or a rock of victory. This is what God says he is going to give. Those who have done nothing for the kingdom of God on that day. I don't want to be in that crowd. If you're a Christian... If you are a Christian, that your mentality is if I can just make it by the skin of my teeth, I'm going to be glad I made it. I'm worried about you. If your mentality is that I can sit here and do absolutely nothing until Jesus comes, I'm worried about you. And that's how many times I go, I don't like this teaching. Well, let me tell you what Jesus said. He gave a man a talent. Guess what the man did with it? He buried it. He gave a man five talents. He turns it into ten. He'll give a man two talents. Turns it into four. Give them ten. Whatever it is. Twenty. Every man, they're doubling. They're getting more. And God, when he judges them, the man comes back. What does he say? To the one that got five, made it ten. Hey, here goes your white stone of victory you have overcome. To the man that's got ten, you can make it twenty. Here goes your stone. You can overcome. To the man that he gave one talent and he did absolutely nothing while he was gone. He said, be cast out of my presence. He said, there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Depart from me. I never knew you. Oh, God help us. If that doesn't make us want to live right. If that doesn't make us want to step up and be the best Christian we've ever been. If that doesn't make us want to reach out to somebody that is struggling and suffering and help them. It makes me want to say, I'm not just going to sit on a pew and wait until he comes. I am going to be busy about my father's business. I don't want people to go to hell. i got to do something, bless God. I don't want to be that guy that's done nothing. People are going to be surprised when they get to heaven. How many of you are, get excited when tax season comes? Anybody in the house? There's a couple of y'all. you got like 15 kids. And you're like, yeah, man, I can't wait. There's some of us when we get to tax season, we think to ourselves, oh my gosh, thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars, I'm going to write thousands of dollars. We get all stressed out, get all bothered, get all worried. There's other of you that are really happy about it. Well, when I hear the word IRS, it really scares me. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, not the IRS. I don't like the IRS. Let it be noted on Facebook Live that I said this. But God has somewhat of an audit system. God has somewhat of an IRS. He's got these books that are laid out that have kept record of everything. And one day when we go before God as a believer, we're going to be judged. It is going to be determined whether or not we make it into heaven or not. I'm going to tell you something. This is the deal. I want you to understand one thing, and I want to preach this plainly. If you are under the blood of Jesus Christ, you don't have to fear this day. If you are under the blood of Jesus Christ, you are going to heaven. I want to make that clear. There is nothing that can stop you from making it. The blood is all you need. Everybody with me? 
So if the blood is applied to your life, Jesus has settled that. But do you know what's interesting to me? And I'm not here to debate it because I don't have time to debate it. But some people actually believe that it's going to determine, when God judges us that day, it's going to determine the status that we have in heaven through all eternity. In other words, if you've been a really, 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 really hard worker, God's going to give you some type special promotion in heaven. Now, I don't know if I agree with that. It's debatable, and I didn't come here to preach that. But I do know that God's going to give out crowns. And I do know that one of them is a soul winner's crown. Now, I'm not too bright, again, simplicity. But if this lady right here has led somebody to Jesus, and I haven't led somebody to Jesus, who do you think is getting a soul winner's crown? Susan, you've done a great job. Here it is. Bam. Soul winner's crown. What a blessing from God. You think I'm standing here, God's going to say, well, Jimmy, you know, you did show up at church a couple times. I'm going to give you one, too, because it looks good on you. No. I don't get a crown. I didn't win a soul. I don't deserve a crown. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this is a debate that may go on. But what I'm telling you today is if you're saved, you're going to heaven. There's a white stone of justification. There's a white stone of victory. You are going to have to get to the place where you're just not, you just don't have the Holy Spirit. But getting to a place that the Holy Spirit has you consume me in your fire, oh God. And I'm going to leave you with this. And I'm closing. In the city of Pergamon, when someone was really loved and had become a great friend, even if they were not born in the actual city of Capernaum, because not everybody was, the king would give him the most highly honored thing you could get in, in Pergamum, or Pergamus, and that is the white stone, are you ready, of citizenship. You know what that means? You can live here. From that moment, it does not matter what the birth certificate says. That person was immediately, I repeat, immediately adopted into the family of that people. He was immediately given citizenship that he could live, he could buy, he could sell, he could move freely throughout the city because of this. Do you know he was even given land that he could move to and live on? Does it sound spiritual enough for you yet? Because what am I talking about? I preached about it last Sunday. One of these days, and I'm telling somebody, it is not going to be very long. When Jesus Christ is coming back for me, he is not only going to give me a stone of justification. He is not just going to give me a stone of victory because I fought against the devil and I prevailed. He is also going to give me a white stone of citizenship that says this world is not your home, but I've got another place that I've prepared for you that you are going to live at forevermore. Somebody ought to shout amen. This place I'm going to, oh, what a wonderful place it is. For this city that I am going to, it is a home where there is no more lust. Oh, thank you, Jesus. My eyes won't lust anymore. We think carnal, right? Just fleshly. No, it's not just flesh. It's in a fornications and adulteries. But it's the lust of these eyes for the things of this world. I won't have to deal with it anymore. 
No more riding by your neighbor's house and thinking, man, it sure would be nice to have that, wouldn't it? He's got a lot of mansions. Woo! It is a place where there's no more greed. It is a place where there's no more war. Thank you, God. It is a place where there are no more hospitals. No more people getting sick. No more visiting the hospital to say, man, are you going to make it or are you not going to make it? I'm praying for you. No more of that. A city where there's no more cemeteries. The cemeteries are gone. Because on earth, all of them have been busted wide open. Pergamus, these stones, not only are they the things that I mentioned, but see, in Pergamum, they would have concerts, right? They would have gatherings. You know how they'd give it? Sometimes they'd give them a stone, and on that stone, they'd write their name. God says to us, when you get to heaven, that's your admission ticket. I'm going to put your name, a new name on it. And I'm going to hand it to you. And you're going to be able to say, yep, this is my ticket. I'm getting in. It is the stone of admission. Jesus invites all of us to him. There will be a marriage supper of the Lamb like no one has ever seen before. Listen to me. Hollywood isn't going to this thing. Sinners aren't going to this banquet. All the people in the world with some of the most money in the world that have got more than this whole congregation combined and all the congregations in this county combined probably can jump into other counties combined. Their money will not buy them a ticket. But to those, my God, I feel like preaching today and y'all ain't helping me. I'm telling you, but to those that have overcome, I've got a white stone, I've got my name on it, I've got my admission ticket. Have you got your ticket today? Are you ready to go? Are you sitting on the edge of your seat saying, Jesus, come back. I'm ready to leave this world. I'm ready. The blood has been applied. I'm going there. Let's all stand in the house of God. Oh, praise God. Are you ready today? Today, the battle. Tomorrow, the white stone. Listen to me. If you're in this house today, and he's about to sing. If you are in this house today, and you've been battling, and you've been struggling, now listen to me. When we get in church, unless it's like an emotional, where we get in a crowd where there's a lot of worshipers and all this account meeting or whatever, we got a lot of people around us and we'll get involved and this and that and the other. But a lot of times when we get in our church, we shut down. Camp meeting kills me. I love it. But I hate it when I go there and see people in my church worshiping and wanting to shout. And they come to church and I can't even get them to say amen. That bothers me. 
I'm preaching it right today. Y'all know I am. You know I am. God, help me, Jesus. It bothers me. We try to act super spiritual. When we get to our church, like there's nothing wrong with us, right? Oh, life is going good. Oh, the kids are doing good. The marriage is great. Praise the Lord. Let's take a selfie and put it on Facebook for all the world to see. Honey, you forgot the... Why does so-and-so look so happy? Hey, you know, do you know what they did last week? Scroll, scroll, scroll. Hey, look at this. I want you to see this. Look at this. Can you believe this? Running one another down, scrolling with our little fingers through our phones. But we come to church and we act like everything's perfect. Let me tell you something, honey. I'm not an idiot. Everything's not perfect. And we struggle and we fight and we have temptations and we have weaknesses and day in and day out we fight them if you're human you do it if you're not fighting you're superhuman god bless you but to us that are normal joes we know what it means to have to fight a battle we know what it is to fall on our face and think to ourselves as Satan puts it in our face and say, this is what you deserve. You're not worthy. You're not good enough. But then Jesus comes and he says, Satan, get thee behind me. That's my child. Look at that stone. This is what they have. I have given them a stone of victory. So today I say to every one of you, that if you've been fighting, you can walk away here spiritually today with a stone of victory. And you can wave it in the face of the devil and say, look at that old boy. My Savior showed up. Jesus showed up when everything was looking bad. God showed up when the darkness was all around me. The sun started shining again. I am an overcomer in Jesus' So today, I've preached till I'm tired of preaching. And I'm sweating, I'm hot, I'm irritable. But I'm going to tell you this. If you want to walk away in victory today, I am telling you there's a white stone with your name on it. That's all I'm saying. It is not what I say. God, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. So, I'm done. You've heard me say enough. Now you need to listen to what the Spirit is saying. Whether you do it in your pew, whether you do it at your altar, I'm asking you please to have a moment with God. Sing it, Brian. Oh, praise God. Praise God. I praise you, Jesus.
listen to this. Through many dangers. Jesus, I'm an overcomer. 